0: Feeling my way through the dark
1: Welcome, everyone. This is Sasha, SashaTalks.com, welcoming you to Moving Mountains. Today, I have the privilege of joining me in conversation as the author and speaker who focuses on reform, on learning. And we will take a deep dive into some of his books that he has written that focuses on religion, faith, self-development, spirituality, but the true life principles. I have the pleasure of being in conversation with Linwood Jackson, Jr., Welcome to Moving Mountains, Linwood. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's um, definitely happy
0: to hear about you and to hear about your show and to just have a conversation, an open-minded and an honest and educational and healing conversation.
1: Of course. What made me gravitate to which your work was about given the current events and having the lockdown, I got some part of my day back because I didn't didn't have any extended commute that having been raised as a Sunday school girl, I decided to return to self Bible study. And because you are an author of a few books that touches upon exploring religion and faith in terms of self development and spirituality, you also has a profound outlook on religion. And I thought you would be a very great source for the audiences to look at self love, exploring faith and understanding how you now host a platform which focuses on reform on learning. Now understanding that while growing up you were not raised in a religious household but over time you were explored tended to different religious texts. Were you was there a circumstance that introduced you to the Bible or did the Bible seek you out?
0: That's a tough one because I would say it's kind of both. Going through, you know, we have different things that we go through in life that make us question even how we perceive our general outlook and the tradition we have of how we believe we should behave and act. And so for me, going through different things that just led me to question my own self, I thought about different philosophies other that might have helped me mentally, but they didn't really, either the texts or the routines, they just weren't enough for the kind of person that I am. And so, in a sense, having that background, I didn't really connect to the Bible by religion per se. I wasn't looking for religion. I was more so looking for answers. And having that in me from the Bible, I picked it up just looking for specific answers that I had, and I found them. So, in a sense, the answers both. I found the words that are in the Bible, and the Bible actually found me trying to find myself and the connection was just immediately the the mind that is within the ink on those pages when you go through them and you disconnect yourself from what you believe religion is you realize that the the words are are higher than above religion in every aspect and so putting that into practice that sort of got me on the track to healing inwardly and also within my mind i can now Just be me and continue to learn who I am with the extra answers that I've gotten from within the book also.
1: Having explored life through the Bible and your own life experiences, given who you are today, how would you define faith?
0: That is an excellent question because when you think about faith, we are traditionally taught that faith is something that you put into an object that you can see. So we have faith in specific ministers and pastors, and we have faith in something that we wear around our neck. But the definition of, of faith isn't actually what you can perceive. It's actually what you hope for. And in the end of that hope is the report or the actual substance of what faith is. And for me, the definition of faith, if I'm going to have hope in something, I need to have a complete or an at-least Advancing knowledge of what I'm going to have hope in. So, the definition of faith is advancing or developing knowledge to have hope in whatever you desire or care to achieve. And that's a bit of a complicated definition, but without knowing or having an idea of a perception, a definition, an awareness, a grasp of a desire or a hope that you care to attain then we're just gonna be sitting ducks and we're not gonna just care to be enthusiastic about the goal we have. But when you add knowledge into the equation, knowledge feeds our inspiration, knowledge feeds our desire, knowledge feeds our being to chase hope and that hope is what chases faith. And the cycle returns from faith back to a knowing and from a knowing to a hope and from a hope to a faith. And it's just a repetitive, continual cycle of knowledge, hope, faith.
1: Thank you for sharing, because early on in my career path, I crossed paths with a born-again Christian, and he told me religion is between man and man, faith is between man and their creator, which is more of a personal relationship. And I do agree mm-hmm. with you, as you earlier touched upon, that some people view faith to be literally just religion, when it's yeah, it's greater than that. In your experiences, you also touch upon how you, at one point in time you were very focused on taking care of your physical self and it got to a point where you did land in the hospital and it happened to serve as one of the many milestones of transitioning to exploring life further. What were you trying to seek beyond the physical development and fitness that led you to go off the extreme end that landed you in the hospital?
0: I was seeking revenge for my insecurity in loving who I am, and I was also seeking a form of punishment to punish myself for not being my genuine self. And so the the fitness, the gym, and, and everything that was attached to it, it was sort of an, an outlet. It was sort of you are raised with the sort of tra- traditional thought and you're raised with a tra- trajectory of where you should be at a certain age and what you should have at that age. And if you don't have that at that age, then you're considered by society standards and also by your household standards in some households to be a failure. And when I realized that I wasn't living up to the standards of either society or, the, or my household, it was sort of like, What is going on? Why can't I achieve both what I'm being told publicly I'm supposed to achieve and privately what I'm being told I'm supposed to achieve publicly? And I needed something of my own that I knew was me. I loved the gym, and I still do. And I needed something that was, in essence, a chase, a chase for me to be me and to find me. And along that chase, it became a route of punishment because you should have been doing what you loved and what you know you love this whole time and should not have been listening to the opinions or the beliefs, either from what you're raised with or from what you've heard. And so within that whole experience of being in the gym, there was a bit of revenge and also a form of seeking punishment, -punishment, self-punishment, abuse for not really understanding the love that I should have been giving myself and for not really being that confident about stepping out of the ideals that I'm raised with to actually think on my own about what my own ideal for myself is.
1: Your work does focus on uh, self-love, and it happens to be a topic that is also explored in the world as Sasha talks through uh, clients that come to me for counseling, and we all have to make a constant ongoing effort to nurture that self-love because it goes against society's prescription of who we are meant to be. How have your relationship with self-love and self-care evolved over the course of the last decade
0: it's evolved by the the, by the definition in and of itself um i get all of my definitions from the bible and from the bible's philosophy and breaking down the language in the bible i've come across the definition of love and to say self-love is to say self-edify because to the Bible's definition of love, love equates to edification. So to love self is to actually edify self. And to edify self is to actually liberate self from self-cultivated and inherited traditional policies. And that involves both secular and uh, religious parts of who we are and how we're raised with so that we can become free to be who we are, being confident in the spiritual understanding that we have and that we are developing, and also in the industrial parts of ourselves that is also being strengthened by the wisdom that we're gaining spiritually and mentally. And so, in the last decade, it's changed just based on the definition of love itself. To chase love is to chase edification, if, uh, for example, we look for love in human beings And we sometimes come across love in the wrong human being because we're chasing for a form of edification that we know that we are unworthy of personally thinking on or it is too difficult to think on or we don't want to spend time thinking on how to edify ourselves. So we give our being to another human being or we give our essence to an object because we're searching for edification. We're trying to find edification in an object or in a person when the edification can only come from within from learning who we are and who we are not and i found that the wisdom that's in the bible it has a wisdom that is higher than what is humanly cognitive and that's weird to say because human beings wrote what is in that book but when you take the words and you get the definitions of them and you get the sentences and arrange those sentences not just in the English, as we're so uh, accustomed to in this Western civilization, but the philosophy in the Bible is an Eastern book, so to get the real definitions of that Hebrew and of that Greek and to to retranslate it into the Eastern mind, you you see the philosophy and the, the edification that is attached to knowing and loving self. It can help you define your complete perception and outlook of how you see not only yourself, but how you also see others, and how you see yourself on this track that we call life.
1: Revisiting the topic of relationships, on your website, linwoodjacksonjr.com, I love how you beautifully put it that genuine affection cannot be forced. And that is something that a lot of individuals out there engage in, whether they're buying affection, whether they're projecting that neediness, how can couples out there or anyone engage in any healthy relationship, it could be from, from friendship to family to romantic relationships, how can genuine affection be planted and nurtured?
0: The, well, the underlying I, I would just I would go back and say self edification. But to be rooted and planted, it takes the real answer is empathy. But you can only get to empathy only when you have the sort of care and affection for your own self first. But the, the answer to that, genuine affection, is, is through empathy. And I can only empathize with you, and you can only empathize with me because you've gone through something sort of familiar. And going through the experience of kind of learning who you are and unlearning who you were and are not that experience opens you up to an education of your own self that causes you to benevolently act in a way that there is no offense, there is no discrimination, there is no judgment, there are no no contrary thoughts about any other person, because the experience has made you empathetic. That, that experience of self-love, as I've picked up the philosophy from the Bible, and specifically, you know, from, for example, Romans 12 and verse 2 is, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of the living God is, and before that, you know, Paul tells us do not be conformed to the world, and the world in that, that, that one verse is not as secular because the Bible is in a secular book. Paul isn't necessarily talking about the secular world. He's talking about the religious world. It's customary in the religious world not to care about who you are, but to devote who you are to an essential being of a specific religious tradition. And in a sense, the mind isn't being transformed or renewed. The mind, being at a, the mind is held at a standstill while you on the inside are neglecting who you are for the sake of a transcendent being you believe can do something for you but you have no actual proof because the experience is in the religion, which in a sense, you know, is not real. But what Paul is saying is be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know the actual will. To go through that experience of mental and inward transformation is to go through the experience of empathy because you're learning how to empathize with your character defects and in a sense that you can also learn how your creator, despite creating you absolutely contrary and imperfect, your creator has actually created you in a very perfect way, so that you can get to a level of perfection mentally and inwardly that you can empathize with another to help them also. And to me, that's that's the most major part of the the self love in the self edification aspect, because it leads to the answer of of empathy,
1: some self care, and Empathy leads to healing within us, and also when we're healing yeah. ourselves, it also heals situations outside of us. One cannot be healed unless they acknowledge that they need healing. How can yeah. we make those loved ones that we care for that do need healing? We identify it objectively, and we're not playing doctor, but how can yeah. they come to the brain to understand that I do need healing? I cannot receive it unless I acknowledge it.
0: Well, the, I'll tell you the the Bible's uh, perspective. Tr- traditionally, we're thought as, when we're just in quotation marks, converting, to convert someone to a religious belief. Um, it's usually to convert through rituals, actions, um, force of ideas, or just the act quote the act of converting in according to the Bible to you know the, the work of conversion it begins with understanding in the heart and the key word is understanding because if we're going to sort of awake the people that are around us to the fact that they are human and they are suffering and they are using distractions to nullify that suffering And are doing very a very bad job at it it begins with allowing them to personally understand from their heart and that we can't control how a person recognizes anything or how a person behaves or acts towards any sort of information but for something as sensitive as this as is self-love and the realization or its need and the growth and development that's necessary to it it would come through us again it goes back to the experience passing through the experience so that we become as the bible says the written counsel the written philosophy we personally become that written philosophy as a living example because i can't i can't tell you how many times i just being me I've had someone say that you you just I don't I don't even have the answers but whatever I do it explains something that somebody has been been, been studying or learning or have been thinking about and to me I, I'm just I'm just living my life but I think back and I go Man, nine years ago I wouldn't be this person so whatever whatever is going on in the experience that I'm at, it's doing something outwardly that I don't really know is happening, but it's just genuine enough to to catch a very genuine heart who is also going through the same thing as me and who sees in me something in them and in them something in me. And it just... that That genuine change doesn't come from me saying and this is how you should be or you know it, it comes from the knowledgeable actions of my behaviors through the experiences that i have by implementing and also failing at implementing the counsels that are in the bible to have a sustaining knowledge to live by
1: you reference the nine-year journey which is chronicled in your latest book growth if you had to describe the book growth with one emotion which emotion would it be?
0: Oh, that is such a tough question. If if it is an emotion, I would say alleviation. Maybe that's such a horrible description. Interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I was tempted to ask you that because I was looking at your different books and various aspects of work and the, the artwork on the cover of growth and how you reference it. And I said, if it's a nine-year journey, I wonder when you started out and when the book was finished, is there one emotion that may sum it up by the time you reach the end?
0: That in in that case, I would say yes, alleviation or if relief is an um, it can be described as an emotional response. Uh, I I I only say that it's just so difficult because that nine-year journey. Every poem in that book um, grows. Every poem is dedicated to a stage of myself coming into contact with my thoughts and my feelings. And these two entities, my thoughts and my feelings and myself, learning how to not only coexist, but how to, how to be and how to form a sustainable marriage. And so that's what makes the book interesting because the journey from the first poem all the way to the last poem you can see that there is a change although there's back and forth and conflicts and also deep love and affection you can also see that by the end there's a there's a definite growth and there is a a period of alleviation where my thoughts and my feelings and myself i do they're not only coexisting but they're also giving birth to i would say children in a sense of uh, philosophies, principles, yeses, nos, cautions, joys, and also sorrows, they're giving birth and the alleviation is that the journey wasn't for nothing. Putting all of the Bible's um, philosophies into play as I've learned them, it's been a rough journey and still is and forever will be. But what makes it valuable is the sign of growth. You know, we're human beings. We should be growing. It's, it's not enough to, to do something bad or when somebody does something that we think is unsettling to us, we hear, oh, I'm just, hu- I'm human. Just expect this from me. I'm human. I'm, I'm human. <laughs> if, we're, if we're human, we're growing because everything in nature as we are grows. You know, a plant doesn't say, I'm a plant, and just stops growing. You know, a a plant, you know, it, it comes and it goes. It dies and it resurrects. It dies and it resurrects. It dies and it resurrects, and that's us. We have to go through some deaths, and we have to go through some resurrections to be the creation that we're supposed to be.
1: You talked about healing and the growth that you have gone through and we're all growing as we speak in the process. Is it safe to say that all of the events and chapters of your life that anything that required you to mourn that you've mourned it you've moved on from it, you're healed and now you're just focusing on the present and forward?
0: Oh, yeah. But I mean, in a sense, maybe I'm just crazy, but I don't There's scars like or heart. Have scars just like our flesh. When we get a really deep cut, we get a scar on our flesh. Everything that we go through, it's a scar, and that scar sits in our mind. And that scar is a season of mourning, even though it's the moment it's past, and even though we have grown up out of that behavior and process of thinking, that scar is always going to be there, and it's supposed to be there as a memory check for all reality and so for me my growth it continues because of the various scars that I have discovered way too late than I should have but I did discover them those scars are for continual growth and mourning them has to do with a bit of forgiving our own selves for the way that we have behaved and that is very difficult to do how do you forgive your own self for being so ignorant in a period of 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 your life when you're not even the reason you thought that way you know it could have been affected by how you were raised it could have been affected by how you retreated it could have been affected by so many factors and yet we're having problems forgiving our own self first and moving on just based on not being able to forgive ourselves and that scar is for healing and that healing is for edification and that edification is for learning how to forgive ourselves and it's not going to happen today or tomorrow it's not going to happen five years from now it's it's going to take some time to heal and add it on to that healing we should be picking up knowledge of why we went that way or why that happened why did that person do that to us how come that person didn't have enough intelligence to know that what they were doing to me was wrong? How come I didn't have enough intelligence in myself to know that what I was doing to that person was wrong? It's like these little questions, because of the scars that we are going to forever have, until we finally get enough understanding where we can say, I, I cope, and then we can move on. But they always remain to keep us in line with where we've come from and and where we're going, and so for me, for me personally, it's it's a continual journey. It's growth is a book of poems, but the growth it continues. And I in the very last poem, the the way that the poems are written, it's it's pretty pretty interesting. But you get to the last poem, you can just imagine what the next poem would be, and then what the next five poems would be, in a sense.
1: And as we wrap things up, Linwood, is there any life mystery that you're exploring at the moment that may be shared with us later in time through a book or any speaking engagement in the future?
0: Of course. The current meditation that I have um, placed into a book I'm hoping to publish in a couple months. Is the subject of justification. Um, traditionally, we're taught that justification, um, through, is through a, a figure, a figure that if you place all of your confidence on and all of your hope in, then you are justified to receive whatever that that religious tradition tells you that you're justified to receive at this present time, and, and then after you die. But. I go in this book through the definition of justification according to the Bible and justification actually begins with edification. And the definition of justification is cleansing, a cleaning or a cleansing. And what is to be cleansed is the mind or personal and devotional mind is to go through a specific cleansing and from this specific cleansing or outlook on how we see ourselves, how we see ourselves behaving in the world, how we see ourselves affecting minds and hearts in the world, that also goes through purification and that also, you know, reinitiates us into society as active members, not simply as robots or zombies for society or for or inherited or self cultivated beliefs. But we become an agent independent of society, and also beliefs, learning our own personal beliefs, and also connecting those beliefs to the ideals given through the counsel that the living God has left for us.
1: Thank you for sharing your insights. Would you be kind in letting the audiences know where they could visit and support your work?
0: Sure. You can find me on my website at uh, linwoodjacksonjr.com. That's L-I-N. LinwoodJacksonJr.com You can find me on YouTube You can type my name into YouTube Junior, or into Google Junior. I'll pop up and you can Find me there. I'm just happy To have you know, a, Your ears and I'm also Happy to be connected With and I appreciate Everyone who does connect with me and who does Reach out to me and I'm thankful for All of the comments and Also all of the prayers that are going um, Out to me and for allowing me to also be in your life also.
1: Thank you, Linwood, for joining us on Moving Mountains. And I highly encourage the audiences to check out his platform. Linwood Jackson, Jr., he is the author of a few books. And if you actually check out his engagement, there's a lot of wisdom and insight that resonates that these I, I could relate to. And I know there are those that are into spiritual and self-development, that there's a lot to learn that you could also start implementing now. And again, Linwood, thank you for joining us on Moving Mountain.